Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We've been talking about on Wednesday evenings, Life to the Full, and the fact that God wants us to have a full, fulfilled life here as we live upon the earth. So John 10.10 is our text, our main text that we use, and it says, The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, or life to the full. And that means he wants us to experience life to the full in spirit, soul, and body. The spirit's born again, the mind's renewed to the word of God, and the body is empowered with the life of God. The strength of God is the spirit of God who indwells us, imparts to us strength and ability. Uh, Philippians 4.13 tells us we could do all things through Christ who what? It strengthens us. He infuses inner strength into our innermost being that manifests itself even in our flesh. Well, God wants us to experience the fullness of life, but how many of you know there's an enemy out there who has other thoughts about us? who does not want us to experience the quality of life that God wants us to have. So what does he do? He challenges us every step of the way to try to prevent us from experiencing the fullness of life that God desires for us to have. And that's spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, relationally, in every possible imaginable way we understand that we're going to be challenged in this life. Jesus said you're going to have tribulation as you live on the earth, but be of good cheer. Why? I've overcome the world. And praise God, if he overcame the world, then through him so can we. So he's provided us a way to overcome all the obstacles and challenges that we face in life, but it requires faith. Look at 1 John 5 and verse 4. It requires faith on our part. It doesn't just automatically happen. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even all of our doubt and unbelief. No? What does it say? Even our faith. So in other words, it's important to know that it takes faith to overcome the world. So what is the obstacle that we're facing? It requires faith for us to overcome it. What mountain is standing in our way? Jesus said, speak to it with faith and overcome it or have it to be removed and so on. Well, thank God, if faith is required, then we've got to get to the source of faith. And what is the source for faith? The word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God of God, Romans 10, 17, right? So we've got to hear the word of God on certain subjects to know that we can develop the faith that we need to have to overcome the obstacles the enemy kind of throws or hurls our way. It could be the devil, the word, or the flesh. All three of them require faith on our part to overcome. Well, tonight we're going to look at 3 John verse 2. This is a powerful verse of scripture that we all probably should know, but let's look at the verse. Beloved, I wish, pray, or desire above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. God wants us to prosper, and he wants us to be in health as our soul prospers. In other words, it's the prosperity of the soul that provides for us what we need to rise up in victory. So we've got to have a renewed mind. We have to understand what the word of God teaches on different subjects so that we could walk in the light. Another thing in Isaiah chapter 1, not only do we have to have faith, but notice this obedience and willingness to do what God has called us to do. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. That's a full life right there. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So notice, faith is required, 
Obedience is required, and so is willingness required. In other words, I've got to be willing to do what God wants me to do, not just obedient to do it. You could be obedient and not willing. You could be willing and not obedient. But God wants us to be willing and obedient to do his will. Amen? Amen. So we've got to have faith. We've got to be willing and obedient to do what God wants us to do. And if we will, we'll experience, we'll experience the fullness of life. Now, what I want to address is something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. I think it's important to all of us because when I was first saved, I had so many questions about this subject. And there weren't really a lot of people that were talking about it and teaching on the subject. And so I just wanted to present it here tonight. It's called Faith in Medicine. So let's look at some of the things we have here. There's questions that I had when I first got saved. Like, you know, I'm learning about divine healing and health and how Jesus made provision for us to be healed and whole. And if we want to have the fullness of life on the outside, this outward man, it takes a lot on our part to believe God for that. Have you noticed that the more seasoned you become, sometimes the more challenged you are in your physical body? Anybody here experience that at all? Hmm? And the rest of you, are you telling the truth? Yes, we are becoming seasoned individuals. So, some of the, time, some of the things, questions that are asked. Should I take medicine? When I was first saved, I'm telling you, people talked about this all the time. Should I take medicine? Then, if I do, is discontinuing medicine an act of faith? If I stop it, is that an act of faith? And then, does taking medicine nullify my faith? Is it okay or is it right or wrong to see a physician, a doctor? And so during that particular time, everybody was really focusing on just the spiritual aspects of healing. Nothing wrong with that. It's important to develop our faith in healing, receiving our healing supernaturally. But before we even answer the questions, let's make some observation. First of all, does God want you well? Does God want you whole? Does he want you to have a quality of life physically? Sure. He sure does, right? Let me ask you another question. Do doctors want you well? Well, if yours doesn't, I suggest you find a new one. Find another one. Because he or she should want you well, should want you whole. That should be the goal. That should be the aim, right, of practicing medicine. All right. Well, both then faith and medicine are being used to achieve the goal of what? Physical wholeness and health, the fullness of life in this outward man. This outward man is perishing. But this inward man is renewed day by day. But we can slow down the aging process and still be strong as a Caleb and Joshua were, right? Even in old age. Caleb said, I'm 85 years old right now and I can still do war and battle. Think about that. How many 85-year-olds do you know get out there and do battle and war? But he said, as my strength was then, so is my strength now. So he was supernaturally sustained as well. Okay, well... If this is true, then both means can be used in order for us to receive the health that we're looking for in our bodies. And they're not really conflicting with each other. They're complementing each other. Nothing wrong with that. But like I said, when I first got saved, there were a lot of questions. People didn't have the answers. People didn't know what to do. And people did some foolish things. We'll talk about that in just a moment with regard to their health and even with regard to their children and their family. So the answer is to number one, should I continue taking medicine? How about this answer? If you have to ask the question, you better take it. Because the only reason why you wouldn't take it is if you, you know that God says it's enough, you don't need to take it. But if you have to ask the question, you better take it. Stay with it. 
Second one, is discontinuing medicine an act of faith? Well, just because you discontinue it, I'll tell you what, it could be both. It could be an act of faith and an act of foolishness. If you know in your heart that God says to discontinue it, then it's an act of faith. But if you're just doing it because so-and-so did it and somebody else did it, then guess what? It's an act of foolishness. And here's where we get into trouble when it comes to living by faith. During this time when the word movement really took place and faith was being expressed, people did foolish things like take their children off medications, like insulin, for example. And they go into shock and some would die. And then, of course, faith would get a bad, bad name. Well, actually, they were operating in foolishness because they did something that someone else did. You can't go by someone else's testimony. You've got to go by what you know God is telling you to do in your given situation. Can you see that? It's so important for us to recognize that and understand that. So it could be an act of faith, but it could be an act of foolishness. We need to be spirit-led. And then also, uh, does taking medicine nullify my faith? And here's where a lot of people had an issue. No, it's not going to nullify your faith. But you have to realize, no matter what we do, it's important to believe God. If you take a medication, take it by faith. In the name of Jesus. And thank God that it will do what it's intended to do. And maybe supernaturally could be enhanced. And you could be protected from any side effect as well. But the goal is to develop our faith to get to a place where, praise God, we wouldn't even need it any longer. Okay, is it right or wrong to see a doctor? Well, you know what? In some cases, in many cases, if you don't know what you're dealing with, it's a little bit more difficult to deal with it. But if you get a diagnosis as to what's going on in your body, you can target that area with your faith and use your faith to rise up above it and overcome it. So if God wants us to have this fullness of life in this outward man of ours, there's a lot of factors to consider. But the point is, he wants us to be well. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to live out the full length of our days. And then we just go off and be with him in glory. And that's spiritually, mentally as well as physically. Amen? Amen. So let's look at some biblical considerations with regard to what we just said. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. You know the story of the Good Samaritan, but let's read it and put some things in context. Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And, and by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him. And bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor to him that fell among the thieves. And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go thou, and do likewise. Now, during that particular time, oil and wine were used and considered to be the best medication that you can use for wounds. And they poured in the oil. He poured in the wine, I'm sure, to prevent from infection or anything like that. Now, the question is, did Jesus condemn him for doing that? Or did he commend him for doing that? I know when we read this story, sometimes we look at the priest and the Levite and that sort of thing. And that's okay how they were 
wrong in not going to minister to this individual. They had no compassion. And a Samaritan, you understand, a Samaritan is rejected by the Jews and so on, but that's not part of this either. We're not going to get along that line. But this one man pours in oil and wine, and he helps him. Prevents probably any infection from setting in. And Jesus commends him, doesn't condemn him. So obviously he wasn't opposed to doing something like that. Okay, look at the next one. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27. Withhold not good from them to, who it is, to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. So don't withhold something that is helpful to someone. To withhold it would be wrong. Once again, some parents have withheld from their children. For example, there's a, a group that they refuse to have blood transfusions. And a child, and many have died because they refuse to give a blood transfusion. And that's for their own religious beliefs and purposes. But the sad part about that, if you really strongly believe that, shouldn't there have been a healing to take place? If God was at work, if you really believe that God was at work. But they reject that kind of help. And as a result, the child, in some cases, died because they refused medical assistance and help. Well, that's not the right thing to do. To withhold that from them when it was in your power to do the right thing is a wrong thing to do. It's important that we understand that. Okay, look at the next one, Proverbs 18, and this is verse 9, and this is in the Septuagint. That is just the King James Version, but I have it written out here for you, so you can read it. Let's read it from our, our notes. He who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. Let's read it again. He who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. God designed the body to heal itself. God designed the body to protect itself. Do you ever notice if you put your hand on a hot stove that you don't just let it sit there for a while? You move it off and away immediately. Why? You're protecting yourself from injury. Well, if you didn't move it, what would happen? Obviously, you'd get badly burnt. But also, you'd be going against God's God-given in instinct instincts instinctively we do something like that because it's built within us to defend and to protect ourselves from things. So is it wrong for us to do something medically to help when it comes to your attack with a sickness or a disease? But keep in mind, all along the way, you're still not just using medication. You are believing God every step of the way. You're thanking him for either enhancing it, protecting you from any kind of um, side effects, and believing that it will just do what it's supposed to do, while God obviously is doing his part. Look at 1 John chapter 3. We get the same principle here. 1 John chapter 3. But if anyone has this world's goods, resources for sustaining life, and sees his brother and fellow believer in need, yet closes his heart of compassion against him, how can the love of God live and remain in him? So why withhold something from someone? a resource for sustaining life that could be helpful and you will hold it. He says, how can you be walking in the realm of God's love? Now, the Samaritan was moved by what? Compassion. And we should be moved by what? Compassion. So in other words, we should use every method, every means we could possibly have, that we have, every resource that we have to get well and to be whole. Why? Because God wants us to experience the fullness of life. And so we thank God for all the wisdom and knowledge and understanding that he has given man so that we can experience a quality of life that he wants us to have. But once again, we don't want to stay there. 
We want to thank God that we can use it, but we want to increase our faith, don't we? So we, I don't know about you, but I'd rather have a miracle than surgery. What about you? Painless, costless, right? No copay whatsoever, right? Someone else paid the price. You heard of Blue Cross, Blue Shield? This is the old rugged cross. Amen. Praise God. And the shield of the Holy Ghost. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. The principle was there regarding, you know, use of medicine. But look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither part partakes of other man's sins. Keep yourself pure. And that's not the right verse. But anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, the uh, Epaphroditus, I believe it was Epaphroditus, when he was sick. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This was Timothy. When Timothy had stomach issues, what did Paul tell him to do? Use a little wine for your stomach sake. Why? Because of your often infirmities. So don't just use the water. Use a little bit of wine. He's telling him to use something naturally, a natural thing, to deal with a physical problem that he had in his life. So God wasn't opposed to that. Paul wasn't opposed to that. Timothy wasn't opposed to that. And I know there's ways we can look at it. For example, use the wine because maybe the water was not pure and it was creating problems in the stomach. But did you notice this? He didn't say drink the water, then get everybody to lay hands on them. Did he do that? Because if he would have continued drinking the water and people just lay hands on them, wouldn't that be foolish? Do something in a natural that you can do in order for you to have no more issues. Okay, there was a fellow that was um, dying over in Africa. And people were concerned about his life. People in the States were praying for him. They had a burden of prayer upon him that come upon them. And so they were praying in the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, he gets a revelation. God speaks to his heart and says, add some salt to, what you're, to your diet right now. He did. As a result, he comes out of the situation. He was low in sodium and so on. And, and it was almost miraculous. But it wasn't supernatural as far as laying hands on him and supernaturally recovering. It was the ingredients that were being used. They needed to add salt to his diet. And as a result, he recovered and was made whole. 523. 523 was that verse. Paul instructed Timothy to use something natural to deal with the physical condition. Drink no water, no longer water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. This is a natural thing that's being done, that's being used. Nothing wrong with that. Look at the next one. Number six, Philippians 2, verse 27. For indeed he was sick. Let's stop right there. You, you tell that to some faith people today. And don't say he was sick. Why? He was sick. Was he sick? Did Paul say he was sick? It's not magical. Just by saying, no, don't say you're sick. That's not how it works. We've talked about this many, many, many times. We don't talk like that. If you're sick, you're sick. But we're to call things that be not as though they were. I call myself well. I call myself whole to activate the supernatural power of God to come into our bodies to enable us to overcome. For indeed he was sick nigh to death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So here Paul is speaking, and what is he saying? He didn't deny sickness. 
He knew there was a reality. He was realistic about the fact that the man was sick. But he appealed to the mercies of God, the healing powers of God, to manifest in this man's life so that he could be whole, healed, delivered, and set free, and experience the quality of life that God intended, the fullness of life. And what happened? He got his miracle. We don't know all the particulars about it, but he got his miracle. So it's important that we realize that uh, we, once again... I've dealt with people where water's coming down their eyes, their nose is running. I'm not sick. Okay, but just stay away from me. I'm glad you're not sick, but stay away from me. See, if you understood the law of faith, you would be saying, I've been attacked in my body, but I call myself well. I prayed and I believe that God has moved upon my body. And as far as I'm concerned, his healing powers are at work in me right now. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in me and quickening my mortal body. So you see what you see? I'm not going by what I see. I'm going by what I believe. Do you see that? I'm not walking around saying, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. That doesn't work. It's not magical. It's you connected with God, and you got a hold of his word. His words are life to us and health to all of our flesh. And you said, I know what my body says, but Lord, your word says something higher than what my body says. And so what I'm going to do is act upon what the word says and start thanking you right now that, praise God, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I receive healing. I call myself healed. I call myself delivered. I call myself set free and made whole. I thank you that your power is at working in me, working at me right now. And your spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is quickening my mortal body with life and health. Thank you, Father. That's a whole lot better than saying, I'm not sick when you're sick. Look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 29. And here we have a, a statement made by Jesus that really should be impacting to all of our lives. Here we have the blind who wanted something from the Lord. And they wanted to be healed. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to what? Whose faith? Their faith. They wanted healing. They wanted to be able to see. And they went to Jesus. And he says, Look, it's according to your faith. So what do you want? I want healed. And that's according to your faith. So according to your faith, be it unto thee. Faith plays an important role in our receiving God's healing touch. We've got to come with faith, believing that Jesus paid the price for our sickness as well as our sin. That on that cross, praise God, he became sin, sickness, and disease, and mental anguish, as well as the curse. It all was on him. And we recognize that. We acknowledge that because that was the work that he did. And so we thank him for what he did for us on Calvary, and we build our faith up. So we can become stronger and stronger in faith to walk in the highest level that he has really for us to walk in. So there are different levels of faith. And because there are different levels of faith, there's different methods by which we can receive from God. Aren't you glad that he's diverse and he made different kinds of ways and means by which we can receive healing? Look, there's one message, but there are many methods by which one can receive healing from the Lord. You can receive healing from the Lord just by reading the word of God. First time I ever received healing in my body supernaturally was reading the word of God, reading the gospel of John. As I was working in my mill crane, minding my own business, it was the night shift. We were not busy as far as, I, as, far as crane operators were concerned. The mill was running smoothly. You know when the mill runs smoothly? I'm either sleeping or reading my Bible. Isn't that a good job? That's what I was doing. I was just sitting back, kicking back, reading my Bible. I couldn't even talk. 
my, I had a terrible like flu-like symptoms and I couldn't swallow or anything like that. It was miserable. And why is it, why at night does it get worse? You ever notice that? It's like when the sun goes down, all of a sudden, all the pain starts rising up. And I went, there was night shift, and I was just in pain. I said, you know what, Lord, your Bible says, your word says that it's, your words are life to me and health to all my flesh. I'm going to read the word as medicine to my flesh. And I read it and read it and read it, chapter after chapter after chapter. And lo and behold, as each chapter went by, I felt better and better and better until by the time I got done, I was completely delivered, healed, set free. Never was I ever healed of that kind of a condition that quickly. Before my shift was over, I was completely delivered and set free. So you can receive that way. Also, you can come and, let's say, come to an altar, have people agree with you in prayer. But the two have to be in agreement. How can two walk together except they be agreed? So you agree together for the healing. You add a 10 times greater force to it. If one can chase 1,000, two can put 10,000 to flight. You can receive that way. You can receive by just calling out the name of Jesus. You can receive that way. You can believe for the Spirit of God to quicken your mortal body. You can receive that way. You can receive by the anointing with oil. Isn't it something that some people say, I need to be anointed with oil? And that's where their faith lies. They can believe that. They would have some physical touch. Even though the anointing is the anointing, and you can still have the anointing by the laying on of hands, right? But yet they want that oil because that's where their faith is. And if they believe that, they can receive that way. And it's easier for them to receive. Ultimately, though, the best way to receive or the highest way to receive is directly through the word of God for ourselves. And then there's a healing cloths. Oftentimes we'll hand out healing cloths and give them to people. And they can receive that way because the cloth contains the anointing. The yoke destroying, bondage breaking anointing can be saturated in that cloth. And then when it's given to people, praise God, they could be delivered and set free. And so there are many different methods or different ways, but there's only one message, and that's the message of the gospel, that Jesus died for our sickness as well as our sin. So it's important that we feed our faith constantly. I know we're on a little break right now, but starting in January, we have our healing class, faith and healing class, for that very purpose, to help feed our faith so we can have a higher level of faith. You know, faith comes by constantly hearing the word of God. Our level of faith can diminish if we don't hear the word of God being taught on a certain subject. It's not like it's, it's just always going to be there. It's just like your physical body. When you work out and exercise, your muscles are developed. You stop for a while, and all of a sudden, what happens to those muscles? They sag, right? I remember the time I told you, Mr. America was coming in, when I lived in Youngstown, when I grew up in Youngstown, to the Southern Park Mall. And back then, I was really into bodybuilding and, you know, lifting and, and, and all that. I was so excited to see this. I think it was Mr. America or it could have been Mr. Universe. One of them, whatever. Whatever muscle on muscle guy, right? Ever see some of those guys, their muscles have muscles? And you go, how? Yeah. Well, there he was. And I'm walking. I'm milling around. There's people milling around. And I'm looking and I'm waiting for him to get up there on that little podium. And I see a guy standing there. And I'm looking and looking and looking and looking and looking. I don't see any muscles. I thought, when's he going to get here? Then he starts talking. Well, it was a few years ago that he was Mr. Universe or Mr. Whatever. He didn't have that anymore. No way. You know why, don't you? He stopped doing what was necessary to do to maintain that physique. Same thing is true spiritually. If we stop feeding on the word of God in any area or according to any subject, our faith level will diminish. 
We've got to constantly hear and feed upon the word of God because faith cometh by hearing, not having heard, but ha- hearing and hearing and hearing over and over and over again. And sometimes our faith level can diminish because maybe sometimes we get bored with a certain subject. Well, we shouldn't get bored with anything that the word of God teaches. But once, once again, sometimes we, I can say we could be negligent. Okay, godly wisdom with regard to when it comes to this area that we're talking about. Number one. God doesn't oppose our using good sense when we're physically challenged in our bodies. We need to use good common sense. How many of you heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Okay. Radical man of faith. Radical. You don't follow this guy's faith. You'll be in jail if you followed his faith. He would have healing lines. He would be sitting on a platform like this. He'd be sitting in a chair. And the guy would come up with a broken leg. And he'd pray for him. And the guy would go off. The guy would come back the next night. Same, same thing. He's sitting in a chair. He comes up to pray for him. He said, weren't you here last night? He's an Englishman. Weren't you here last night? Yeah. Turn around. Kicked him off the platform, flying in the air, lands on the floor, completely healed. Would you do that? You better know God if you're going to do something like that. He'll break his other leg and then look out for you. You know, you'll have a lawsuit on your hands. That's what he would do. A radical man of faith. All kinds of things. We can give so many testimonies after testimonies the way this man operated in this level of faith. But you know what? He never left the house without his overcoat, scarf, and a hat to keep himself warm. He says, if you do that, you're foolish, you'll get sick. This guy has had creative miracles take place. Creative miracles. On one occasion, a fellow had club feet, just wooden stumps. Came to his apartment before he left a a crusade and said, I thought you were going to pray for my feet. He looked down at him. Go buy yourself a pair of shoes. Guy never had a pair of shoes in his life. He goes down to the local store, goes inside, sits down. Fella said, who's the clerk waiting on him? What can I do for you? I want a pair of shoes. He looks down and he sees these two stumps, wooden stumps. He's like, what? Yeah. Well, what size do you wear? He never was asked that question before. He says, make it a nine. So he goes and gets a pair of shoes. And gets a nine, and he goes to put it on this one foot. The wood all of a sudden becomes a foot. Then he did it the other one. Can you imagine being the clerk? Honey, what happened at work today? (laughs) You really want to know? You really want to know? You think she's going to buy it and believe it? Anyhow, long story short, he had two feet. When When it was all over, it was a done deal. He had two feet where he had no feet. Now, is that impossible for God to do? This is that man's level of faith. But yet, he wore a coat, scarf, and a hat. Anytime and every time he went outside, especially with, if the weather being inclement or whatever. He said, you can't be foolish. You got to do the right thing. Also, he was never, ever fully dressed unless he had a New Testament in his pocket. Always made sure he had it with him. Okay. All right, it's wise, number two, to use every available weapon to achieve success. 
use everything we possibly can at our disposal. Why not? Once again, keep in mind, we want to grow in our faith. But let's not be foolish and not use what we have when we have it to use. If you break an arm and you can have it set. Now, here's a situation where someone was sliding into second base. Sliding into second base and broke his ankle on the way in. There was, there was a Christian team, a Christian league. Well, they prayed for him. Nothing happened. They prayed for him again. Nothing happened. Of course, he had an option. You can go and get that thing set, go see an orthopedic doctor and get the thing set and so on. And But just lying there, and then one of the fellows just said, Lord, we, we prayed for him. He should be healed. What's, what's going on here? How about this one? The Holy Ghost says, he's getting up on the good foot. He's got to get up on the bad one. Doesn't pain, don't you get pain surging through you just when I say that? What? Yep, get him up on the bad one. Gets up on the bad one, instantly all the bones come together. He's completely healed. Think about that. Now, it takes boldness. It certainly takes faith. Do something like that. I would say the average person would probably just say, call an ambulance and get me over to the hospital. Let's get this thing looked at, right? Right. Anyhow, we got to do the right thing and be spirit-led. Next one. Always trust God, whether using medicine or surgery or anything of that nature. Always trust God. To guide, to direct the hearts, the minds, the hands of all the healthcare workers that are going to be involved in that procedure. To see to it that everything is done with precision and accuracy without any complications whatsoever. That he'll oversee the situation from beginning to end. And that even a host of angels will be with you if it's surgery in that operating room. To see to it that everything is done correctly. Many times when we've prayed that way for people, you'd be amazed when doctors come out and just say, it was like everything just came together automatically. This is an amazing procedure. Well, you know why? It wasn't just him doing it. We believe a host of angels, was in, were, they were in there was in there. We believe that the hand of God was upon all the workers and he orchestrated everything. He guided their hearts, their minds, and their hands and made sure that everything was done with precision and accuracy. And the outcome was a glorious outcome. Next, know your level of faith. Avoid being foolish. Know where you're at in faith. It's so important to realize that we can all, with enthusiasm, excitement, and emotionalism, just think that we're way up here in faith, but maybe we're really not there. Know what level of faith we have. Know what we can believe for. Know where we are at so that we do the right thing. And again, there's help along the way. And we thank God for that. We can get other people to agree with us. We can get medical science to come and help us. But the point is, know where your faith is at before you step out to do something. Next, don't allow a situation to advance to a critical state by disregarding, you know, uh, medical assistance. And this has happened numerous times where something, if it was dealt with, Right away, it could have changed the whole scenario. And this is what's important to hear. In some cases, when it comes to even breast cancer, for example, and let's just say a lump is found, there have been situations where people would just not do anything about it and maybe confess the word or whatever, but nothing is happening and nothing is happening. And then it progresses and progresses and progresses and progresses. And a person just waits and waits and waits and does nothing about it. Well, it can get to a place where it advances to where maybe nothing can be done about it and it can take a person's life. And so it's important to know where your faith is at and make sure that you act upon your faith accordingly. And if it can be dealt with immediately, if it's a, if it's a, it's a small situation, it's a small tumor or growth, 
It could be extracted, removed, whatever, and maybe even radiation or whatever, then fine, and then kind of go from there, but build faith, continue to build faith. And once again, we've had people that didn't do that, and uh, obviously it was detrimental to their lives. I did a funeral for someone, similar situation. I got out that door, out near the parking lot, and I got a couple of ladies that were wild, got all over me and screamed at me, you killed her. You killed her. We blame you for her death. That's a fun thing to listen to after you just got done doing someone's from your congregation's funeral, right? I said, what are you talking about? Well, this doctor happened to be in the, going to his car, and he heard this ruckus going on and how they were treating me. And he came back and said to these individuals, what's going on here? What are you talking about? He's responsible for her death. It's what he teaches is what killed her. And he stands there and says to me, what do you teach? I said, I believe that we can use every means, every resource that we have to help us recover from a sickness or a disease. I believe in supernatural by faith. I believe that we can use medical science, um, even natural means, etc., and and explain it exactly. And I said, first of all, if we can believe that medical science can do something, why can't we add our faith to it and believe that divine intervention can also help out? So I gave my whole spill about what I believed. He stood there, looked at those two, said, there's nothing wrong with these teachers. You're wrong. Go ahead and leave. But they were just so hurt because they thought that I was saying, don't see a doctor. I've never said that. Never have I ever taught that. Don't use medication. Never have I ever said that. Thank God for the help that we can get. Besides, we should use every resource that we have because God wants us well and our doctor wants us well. And as I said, if, you, if your doctor doesn't want you well, get a new one. Find one that wants you well. Praise God. Next, stay in the word. Trust God and be open to your doctor's advice and follow God's leading. Stay in the word. Put the word first place. And then allow the Holy Spirit to direct you and lead you as to what needs to be done in your situation. I tell you what, it's a humbling thing to know that I got to identify where my faith is at to know what I'm supposed to do. And you know what? I don't want to be wrong in a situation that could cost me, cost me in my life because I was too proud to say, I need some help. I need some assistance. We can't let that happen. Use every resource. You know why? Because the devil's not concerned about you and he's not concerned about your life at all. He'll bring everything, every tool in the shed that he has to do what? Come your way and destroy you. Still kill and destroy. We should use every resource that we have, praise God, but always put God first in every one of them. And finally, avoid any spiritual decline. Now, here is something that's key. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 16, verses 11 through 13. This is King Asa, who was very strong in faith at one time. I mean strong in faith, powerful in faith. Well, there was a decline spiritually in his life, and he allowed some things to slip spiritually in his life. In the area of protection, when he basically believed God to destroy other armies to protect the people of God. But then he made covenants and and pacts and agreements with other kings financially and stopped trusting in the Lord. So he went from trusting in the Lord very strongly to no longer trusting in the Lord, but in making alliances with other people along that line. And here's what happens. Behold the acts of Asa first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa in the 30 and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet. 
until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. That should be sorcerers. Back then, the physicians weren't like they are today. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. So notice this. He was no longer believing God for protection from the enemy. And now he slips over, doesn't believe God, doesn't even seek God with regard to this disease in his feet. And so rather than seeking God, he goes and seeks the physicians at that time, like I said, sorcerers that would use all kinds of incantations and that sort of thing to try to get help that way. And as a result, because he didn't seek God, it wasn't because he sought the physician, but he didn't seek God because he didn't seek God. He died. And as a result, of course, he lost out. Now, in our conclusion, look at Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. What are the eyes of the Lord doing? Running. That's something when you think about that. The Bible says that the devil, as a roaring lion, what's he doing? Walks. The devil's walking, but God is running. His eyes are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. To do what? To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward or upright toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. So, that was King Asa, because he stopped seeking the Lord. But notice the first part of this verse. His eyes are running to and fro. Why? To find somebody who's acting on his word, somebody who's acting in faith, whose heart is right, who's willing and obedient to do what the will of God is for his life, and he's calling upon his name. But his eyes are running to and fro to do what? To show himself strong on the behalf of that person. Do you want him to show himself strong on your behalf? We all should want him to show himself strong on our behalf, right? Amen. So God has a plan for us, and it really is a plan to have a full life for every single one of us. But we have a part to play in it. Our part is to exercise faith and believe God and cooperate with him. Also to walk with an upright heart, walk in love, be obedient and willing to do the will of God. And what will happen? We'll eat the good of the land. Eating the good of the land means we're going to have a good, full life, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and in every other way. So the provision that has been made for us through, through the cross, it's up to us to exercise our faith. Why? So that we can experience it in reality. Now, I know about you, but I'd rather be healthy than sick. Anybody here rather be sick? No? Don't like it. No, not at all. Don't even like a cold. Do you like a cold? Man, those things are a curse. Wouldn't you say? Amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord.